Good morning. So as we begin to wind down this liturgical year on this last Sunday of Ordinary Time, we celebrated the rite of acceptance where those previously known as inquirers became catechumens and candidates. At the 10 o'clock liturgy this morning, we officially welcomed and recognized the catechumens' decision to begin the process of becoming a member of the Catholic Church through baptism, as well as welcoming the candidates into process of full communion with the church. This first public ritual of their journey is important for all of us, as much as the word catechumen means to re-echo. It's a reminder of all of us, of our need and our calling due to our baptisms to re-echo our faith into those men and women. But after listening to today's readings that deal with end times, and this type of apocalyptic literature that makes us square a little bit in our seats, what is it that we are taking into our own lives and thus resounding into the hearts and souls of our catechumens? Perhaps a second look at the time this apocalyptic literature was written, as well as the destruction of the temple and how that comes into play, may just give us some insight and some direction. See, around the time this gospel was written, not long after Jesus died, Roman armies had come down and ravaged all of Israel. Taking over Jerusalem, they starved the people and they destroyed the temple, which had been rebuilt some 500 years earlier. Over a million people died in that devastating outage, leaving only one wall standing, the one that stands today, the Wailing Wall. This devastation is the social context in which Jesus lived and taught and died. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke all wrote apocalyptic theology to express the fear of what was taking place. In our own lifetimes, we've seen the destruction of great buildings, the horror of the Holocaust, continued nuclear testing, global warming, rising ocean levels, species becoming extinct every day. No doubt, plenty of father for the street corner prophets warning that the end is near. When it will all happen, no one knows. But frankly, it's the wrong question, and we can't be wasting time worrying about it. Because timing is not the point. Rather, our focus needs to be on the Christ who dwells within each of us, no matter what we have done or what we have failed to do. I think one of the most insightful explanations into this indwelling comes from the theologian N.T. Wright, who begins his explanation where our gospel begins today, at the temple. His explanation, the indwelling, actually goes back to that first stone temple of the Jewish people, which was built in 950 B.C. And the Old Testament tells us that on that day at the dedication of Solomon's temple, the Shekinah, the glory of Yahweh, in the form of fire and cloud from heaven, descended and filled the temple, just as it has once, once filled the tent of meeting. For the Jewish people, this became the assurance of an abiding and local divine presence of Yahweh, it made Solomon's temple both the center and centering place of the whole Jewish world. So imagine the crisis of faith that had to have taken place in 587 B.C., when the Babylonians destroyed the temple and took the Jews into exile. After all, it was 
The temple is where God lived. More than a century later, the people were convinced they had to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple so that God could be with them again. But N.T. Wright points out, there was no account of fire and glory of God ever descending in the rebuilt second temple, which is the only temple Jesus would have ever have known. See, the absence of the visible Shekinah glory must have been a bit of an embarrassment and great anxiety for the Jewish people. Wright says it could explain the growth of the hypocritical belief in Jesus' time that if ritual and liturgical and moral laws were obeyed more perfectly, then perhaps the glory of God may return to the temple. It's a common pattern in moralistic religion. Those that believe our impurity supposedly keeps God away. Despite how hard they tried and all the altar sacrifices they made, the fire never descended. And they surely must have wondered, are we really God's favorite chosen people? But then again, isn't this issue of worthiness still a popular question for many people today? See, with this background, the events of the Pentecost carry so much more meaning. For on that day, fire from heaven descended, but not in a tent and not into a stone building, but on people. The Spirit filled all people, not just the Jews. After his conversion, it was Paul who understood this and spent much of his life drawing out the significant consequences of what this meant. For in that moment, Christianity began to see itself as universal rather than just a tribal religion, which is why they very soon called themselves Catholic, literally, universal. It's clear why St. Paul loved to say, you are the temple, you are the temple. So you see, my sisters and brothers, apocalyptic literature is not written as a prophecy about future events. Rather, it's about imminent reality, the here, the now. But the, but the reality has nothing to do with how much we can earn God's love in order to be the chosen ones. Rather, it has to do with recognizing and living through the inner presence that each of us have of Christ. For the supreme idea of Paul is that the new temple of God is you and me, not just temples and walls that we build up and adorn with jewels. But that doesn't mean our lives are always going to be perfect or without issues. On the contrary, we all have our impurities. We all have our own crosses to bear, where life at times seems to be filled with angst and anxiety, where we find ourselves in that liminal space where we can't go back and we just see no way of going forward. And where, when and where this end time liturgy we just heard may seem to resonate the most with us. But with God, there are no ends. There's just beginnings. For the deaths that we face every day eventually lead to resurrections. The presence of God is made known and visible not by earning it, but by being instruments of mercy and consolation. When we choose to love, when we choose to forgive, when we choose to reach out to others, when, through our own brokenness, the light of Christ is allowed to shine through our cracks. For when you and I stand in that place, we become quite usable by God 
where the very real healing and forgiveness and answered prayers take place. And once you see it and live it and are free to re-echo it into others and to love others through it, well then, whenever and wherever we face our final days, we will witness a final victory over death and a new life with the risen Lord.